Got time for a quick story. Actually, the story of Imaginos goes goes on for a bit, and it's deep. There is a lot with Imaginos. It's not a quick story. Imaginos came from the writings of Sandy Perlman, very key in the history of Blue Oyster Cult. If you know your Blue Oyster Cult history, you know that they had an album in 1988 called Imaginos, which is a variation of a solo effort from Albert Bouchard, their drummer in the 70s into the early 1980s. And, uh, and after he was no longer in the band, he started working on this album, Imaginos, which ended up turning into a Blue Oyster Cult album. You, you definitely want to read up on it. There's a, there's a whole lot of background on this, and that's just the, the album creation part, to say nothing of the story of Imaginos which Albert Bouchard revisited with Reimaginos, released on November 6th of 2020. And today, I get to talk to Albert Bouchard about Reimaginos, but also an event that's coming up in a few days after the recording of this interview. Three days after this interview, on Saturday, April 10th, 2021, is Albert Bouchard's Reimaginos live in its entirety, plus other classics from Blue Oyster called live streaming. Coming up on Saturday, April 10th. Again, it's at 3 central time. And we're talking today to Albert Bouchard about that, about Reimaginos, about a whole lot involving this, which is a fascinating musical and lyrical and historical entity. Let's start with the album. It's now been out for several months. Came out, again, November 6th. Now that it's been out in the public, what... How do you, how do you assess the album now that it's it's kind of lived with others listening to these new versions, new arrangements for several months? Well, uh, I think that uh, the the hardcore fans who've been urging me to do something like this for many years, like over a decade have been saying, oh, please, you know, do your your version of the this album. Uh, for them, I, I think that, uh, unsurprisingly, they really like it. But what's crazy is that, uh, like, all all kinds of other people that normally don't even like my stuff like this because I think it is so different. And, and also, the guys from Blue Oyster Cult, they all like it, too. You know, it's like, oh, you really did it this time, you know. They, <laughs> they weren't that happy with the other one, you know, so they like it, you know. Yeah. And, uh and so that that is a, a revelation. Uh, I think that for me, it's very gratifying that I'm going to get to do this live for the first time ever. You know, the the I played. Oh, let's see, what did I play? Well, I, I've done some some live streams from my living room, and I play a song here and there. You know, not the whole record, and. Um, and when I was in some other groups like the Brain Surgeons, we did uh, Frankenstein and uh, I Am the One You Warm Me Of, I think. And, and uh, ast- well, we did a version of astronomy. This version of astronomy is, oh, let me turn this off. <laughs> My mail is telling me he got mail. Okay. Ah, okay. So uh, this version of astronomy, I think, is uh, very true to what Sandy wanted. So I'm very, you know, for astronomy especially, I would say astronomy and uh, um, 
Imaginos, the song Imaginos, are both, uh, you know, I think very, uh, I'm very pleased with how they came out. And, uh, you know, I was listening to, uh, I was going back to the tracks today, I'm going, there's not that whole lot on there. It's it's pretty simple. It's like, okay, wow, maybe there's something to that. Maybe I, I tend to make things too complicated, but. <laughs> Yeah, you know, for whatever reason, people really like it. Uh, the the record company Deco is uh, they're absolutely delighted by the whole thing. So uh, yeah, it's it's the reaction has been great. It's been great. I did a, a I created a Spotify playlist to um, kind of A B the songs that were on the '88 version and this version, which of course it's not all the songs that are on this version were on the, the Blue Oyster Called 88 release, but it's interesting going back and forth and back and forth, and of course Blue Oyster Called fans have probably got them all you know recorded in their brain at this point, they've heard, heard all of that but as, as I was prepping for this, I did a back and forth, on it, and it's obviously as you, I mean, you're the guy that did it, you know that some are pretty similar, some are some are more, are, are rearranged such that you're like, wow, that's a different version, what what was the ultimate driving force in in coming up with these arrangements? And I'm sure you've talked about this a bunch, but what was the, the, the core driving force in coming up with how this was presented versus the other version, which, of course, was from your original version that got turned into the Blue Oyster Cult 88 release? Yeah, I, I well, uh, to be honest, every single song I started with the uh, I put the track of Blue Oyster Cult's version there and even you know something like girl that love made blind which was not on the original release it was recorded for that album so i took all of those songs and put them up there and i at first attempted to work with those arrangements and just uh, replace all the instruments and and uh, most of the songs it didn't work for you know i mean it worked for uh del rio song it worked for I am the one you warned me of, you know, very similar. It's mm -hmm. it's uh, those arrangements. I think that's the thing is those arrangements are very solid. You could play them on any instrument. It would still work. But, you know, something like a girl that loved me blind was so slow that you really needed these synthesizers and or, you know, and, you know, keyboards to fill it out. So I had to find a way to make it fast, but yet stately and that took uh that took a probably a couple months just to figure out what to do once i figured out what i was going to do it was it was really easy to do it but uh you know black telescope was another one where you know it was originally worked at shop of the telescopes and that i tried to do it like that and i was like ah this is uh i don't know i don't even know what the melody is supposed to be here what can i do you know and then i started looking at the songs and saying oh well, this is about, this is obviously sung by a sailor who's talking about his experiences, you know, and, uh, and so it needed to be like a sea shanty <laughs> or Irish reel or something. You know? <laughs> it's funny because so, sea shanties are like all the thing right now, too. You didn't even know you were recording that. And now your sea shanties are all over the place, it seems. I know. That's really weird. I, I don't think that it was me that did it because it's, <laughs> you know, I, I recorded it in January or, you know, February, I guess, of uh, 2020. And, but it didn't come out until November. So it was like, 
you know, the <laughs> sea shanty thing happened in the meantime. It was like, oh, man, right. somebody got my idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're riding the wave. It, it all works out. And on that note, actually, a black telescope and Blue Oyster Cult, I was watching the two videos of that. And I, probably pretty much self-explanatory. But what was I'm always fascinated by the music videos that anyone releases off of their huh. off of their okay. projects. What was the creation? What was like the idea? Like with the Blue Oyster Club, one of the, it's diff, you in different settings. You're, you got the beard and the goatee and clean shave and all of that. All of that for both videos. How what what was the storyline? The generation of that. Okay, both videos were inspired by other by by uh, actual movies. Okay, so uh, Black Telescope was inspired by the Jack Black movie Be Kind Rewind. Mm with uh, Jack Black and I guess it was Most Def, I think. Great movie. Great movie. One of the great Jack Black movies. But, yeah, you know, because he's he's hit or miss guy, you know. Yeah. He's either totally brilliant or, you know, then you've got Nacho Libre. And <laughs> like, okay, what the? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, it's, but Be Kind Rewind, if you'll remember, the, he 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 walks by the power transformer and it blows up and he gets he gets radiated and uh, or magnetized and he goes into the store and erases all the tapes and so they have to re redo all the movies with like cardboard and you know whatever they can find you know so that was the idea behind that you know it was right at the beginning of the pandemic uh we weren't going outside at all so everything was coming in in cardboard so we had piles of card the whole apartment was filled with cardboard and making little boats and you know we made like yeah. four little boats and you know we just kept making things you know until finally we we're like okay i think we got enough stuff and we you know then my son you know set up the lights and started doing uh, all of that you know we had a green screen i had a green screen outfit which was too small for me so <laughs> so it was not zipped up in the back and i'm just like sticking my you know moving the boat around and stuff it was fun it was great and then uh the uh, uh video for blue oyster coat was inspired by the tv the german tv series dark oh I yes know. yes i love so that show characters are all you know they're uh -huh. the same character but they look different yes. and they act different yeah oh yeah. my gosh now that now that you mentioned that i totally see it Yes. And, and 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 it starts out with the watch. Right. You know, and it's like that's it. That's that's you know the 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 time element and which is also kind of right for that the Imaginos uh idea, the Imaginos storyline is you know this person is the same guy but he he goes back and forth mm -hmm. through different uh different universes I guess, so the multiverse. Does that explain the power plant? at the at the beginning and the end like the nuclear plant and dark yes yes okay good that, that's the, yeah. now, now that makes all the sense in the world I, i'm gonna have to show my wife that video because she was the one that got got us started on dark and and yeah we watched the whole thing all all yeah, the episodes thus far totally inspired by that we i binge watched the entire series Ooh. you know the all the seasons and everything it's yeah it's a good one yeah so it's Ooh, complex yeah. as heck oh my gosh oh yeah. oh yeah 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 and then they have all the you know if you go online you can see all the like uh, <sighs> the the charts you know yeah. of uh, trying you to know, keep the track of it all genealogy. yeah there's so much there well okay and speaking of of complexity but good complexity the whole imaginal story um and the background of it going all the way back um 
one of the things I like about working in, in music radio is that it's it's kind of like a continuing music education. You being a music educator, you, you know mm-hmm. something about that. I, I mean, I was a music ed major in college, so anything that I can do to keep learning is good. So as I'm researching this, and I'll be perfectly honest, my Blue Oyster Call knowledge pretty much is the, the big hits. So diving into this and going, wow, there is a lot here and it is it is definitely an education if you want to learn about if anyone's watching this going there's so much more to get out of this if you and speak from the perspective not only of the person that was one of the main creative forces but also as someone who's a teacher well how would you recommend if someone wants to get into the whole imaginos arc the everything involving this and how not only the story but also the recorded output where would you recommend they start Reimagine us. <laughs> That's where the start. The story starts, you know, in 1908 or 1808, rather 1808, mm-hmm. and it and it continues into into the future that is not even here yet. So, but that's uh, there's supposed to be three records. That was always the plan. Mm-hmm. It was going to be three double records. It was like uh, each record was going to have about 75 minutes of music on it, and. Um, uh, so I'm in the middle of recording the second one, oh. which is now uh, Bombs Over Germany. And, it, and a lot of it focuses on this mirror, this thing that was mm-hmm. created by some alchemist, you know, and probably in the 1500s or something or the, uh, you know, you know, 1100s or right. something. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know exactly, yeah. you know, when that happened, but it was, uh, you know, Sandy was very much into alchemy and the, the concept of that and uh, and also, you know, the the whole whole thing about occult uh, societies and in uh, in the 19th century and how that played into, you know, what happened in the 20th century. So mm-hmm. and, and we still have that kind of stuff. We have this, you know, all these weird conspiracy theories, which, <laughs> you know, I personally, yeah. I, I uh I don't discount any of them, but I feel that um, if you get too deep into that, it's not healthy. But. Yeah, there's definitely a lot, a lot, but, yeah, going on there for sure. Um, yeah, I and I also listened through through the the demo version that that leaked out a while a, a ways back, leading into the '88 version, uh, and then leading into this one. Is can you say that there is any version of any song that you'd point to and say to any, either of the prior two versions to say, you know, that one really captured it? Or do you feel like you really got everything with Reimagine Else? Oh, I don't know. There's a lot. You know, I mean, Sandy is he created this this multiverse seriously. And, you know, what would you say? What's the definitive Spider-Man movie? Yeah. You know? I mean, I don't know, maybe the first one, you know. So if that's the case, in Imaginos, it would be Blue Oyster Cult because that was the first song that was written for Imaginos. Right. Um, what are the fans liking most off of Reimaginos? Now, again, a half year into this, what, what are they responding to the most? Uh, well, I, I would say it would be either. I mean, a lot of people really like the Blue Oyster Cult, especially this new version. You know, which is and and to be honest, it's essentially the same as as the as the original version. That one, I was very pleased with how that came out. So, uh, you know, even though I, you know, Donald overdubbed his voice on there, but um, but he did a great job. You know, I mean, I copied him. Yeah, 
Yeah, he copied me first, then I copied him. Right. Second, Get him back you know. around and cycles back sort of thing. Yeah, Going yeah. There. so I, I learned a lot by listening to their vocals, which they recorded after I did mine. And I was like, oh, Eric changed that one note. Now, oh, it sings so much better, you know, or they would change the words. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, they took out that word. That word always bugged me, you know. So they really improved on what I did, I think, you know, as best they could, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so I wanted to do it my way, but, you know, also their way too. <laughs> so so on, the, on, the, on the 88 version, I was, I was reading on it, and I, I love knowing, like, when was this recorded with this and who did this? I just love, I'm like hardcore liner note type. Yeah. But from what I could gather, and maybe if I dug a little deeper, but I'll just ask you as long as I got you here in a Zoom interview. What from your original version survived to the release in 1988? What, what was on there that was originally recorded intended for that? I would say almost everything that I originally recorded was there. Okay. They they changed very little. Uh, I know that Don, you know, Buck Diamond played uh, guitar on every song, and he said uh, they only used like a couple little bits because they were, you know, Sandy Perlman was really uh, enamored of the original recordings, and uh, he was just trying to find a way to get it out, you know, mm-hmm. with, um, you know, and so he had to give them a chance to put their mark on it, you know, which they did certainly vocally, you know, I think that that was uh, the the biggest contribution. Uh, But everything else was mostly, uh, especially the keyboard parts. It wasn't really any keyboards. I had uh, Tommy Zvancek, Tommy Mandel, Alan Lanier played uh, Mm -hmm. keyboards on Blue Oyster Cult, uh, one song. And my brother played keyboards, I believe, on In the Presence. So there was, you know, those two guys from BOC played on the on the on the uh, basic tracks. Mm-hmm. Stylistically, um, it, songs that are recorded and produced and mixed and mastered in the '80s are way different from today. Obviously, to, technologically, but also there's some there's style that's going to influence the nature of a song. Songs are songs, obviously, but how they come out is is different. Um, how, how much of what you have on Reimaginos, if you, if you could have done what you did on Reimaginos in 1982, 83, 84, how much of that would have been the same and how much based on what is, what was the style of music that, that you, you ascribed to, to produce, how much of the technology would have changed that in other words like how much do we get like how much is reimagined something from 2019 2020 and how much of it is timeless and would have sounded the same had it come out 37 years ago well if if i had if we had what we had it, it wasn't really so much the technology it was that my idea was to to out blue or to call blue or to cult mm-hmm. whereas when I did reimagine those, it was, <clears throat> I approached it more like a singer songwriter kind of a deal where, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's closer to the Eagles than mm-hmm. Blue Oyster Cult, you know, seriously. I mean, you know, because there is a lot of acoustic, I mean, every song has got a, a acoustic guitar for uh, a rhythm guitar. And, whereas I think only uh, Gil Blanco was the only, and that didn't make the final 
album anyway. But that was the only one that had acoustic guitars. And I think that was, it was played by Buck Dharma and then, uh, I think Mark Biederman, who played on a bunch of the other songs, he played on that. And I, he's like, you know, how'd you like that? And I'm like, I never heard it, man. <laughs> I never heard it. It didn't. It didn't get mixed. You know, so I don't know. It, it could be great. I mean, uh, they couldn't even find the tapes until like uh, about uh, six months ago. Oh wow! Yeah, eight months ago now. Yeah, yeah. They finally found the tapes. It was Sandy Perlman had them, but they had never. You know, his sister. I mean, his sister. His cousin finally got around. Who was his heir? His only heir. So she finally got around to going out to, she was paying, well, Sandy's royalties were paying for rent on the studio. So she wasn't getting any of his money. And, uh, so she went out there to deal with it and she mm -hmm. found this mountain of tapes. And, uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, and now people are saying, well, you should get a hold of those tapes and see what's there and remix them. So that's quite a pot. That's definitely a possibility. But for now, I'm, um, concentrating on my other projects. I'm making a record with the dictators, cut a few cut few sides last, uh, last summer. And, um, and they're just coming out now. So, uh, and we're starting to do some more. I've got another space rock, uh, record that I'm working with Michael Moorcock on and, and, uh, and I'm doing this reimaginos too. So yeah, it'll be a while before I get to mixing that stuff. How but, much, uh, well, how much definitely possible. Cool. That's something to look forward to, obviously. How much do you yeah. think doing delving into Imaginos to do Reimaginos has has that changed your artistic approach with all the everything else you just mentioned, in fact, and going into the the second album, et cetera? Did that did that change at all your musical perspective at all and go, hmm, I'm gonna keep trying this because I tried it on on this by going back into it? Yes, uh, but I I got to back up a little bit. I've done two uh, records with Michael Moorcock, okay. and and it's it's a trilogy. It's a, uh, it's uh, um, it's his Dancers at the End of Time series, his trilogy of books. So we did we uh, we uh, did an album of one the first book in Alien Heat. Then we did we just finished the album. Uh, 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 the Hollow Lands, which was his second book, and now we're working on the end of all songs. And so that's something that uh, I've been working on with the other guys in Blue Oyster Cult. So that's cool. But that actually, that while I was doing it, I'm like, geez, this is kind of like Imaginos. It's like a story, and you know, and uh, and they wanted it to be folky, you know. So I. Mm -hmm. A lot of what I did was play, just play, you know, I wrote a bunch of songs, but I, I played acoustic guitar on songs that I, even songs I didn't write, and I played drums on almost everything. I mean, uh, the Spirits Burning is a collective of about 30 people, so there's, I think I'm one of uh, about six or seven drummers. <laughs> wow that's pretty awesome actually yeah, yeah, yeah it's a yeah. lot of drummers going on there yeah well, yeah, yeah and at the last one we had th three drummers we had a guy from san francisco i can't remember his name right now but we also had uh jules rodino uh from Blue, the current member of blue mm -hmm. oyster cult on it and myself so there was three drummers on one cut nice that was cool nice yeah. um speaking of multiple musicians and a live setting so Saturday is the live stream, late Saturday afternoon. Um, yes. Again, at 4 Eastern, 3 Central. 
Okay, so tell uh, tell us what people are going to see. I know the description is obviously reimagined those plus blue oyster cult classics, but uh, more specifically, right. without giving away too much, what are we going to see? And who are we okay. going to see? Well, I uh, first of all, you're just going to see myself and David Hirschberg, although I have uh, videos of <clears throat> other people who participated in it. So we're going to... Uh, we're going to be playing to backing tracks, you know, which is essentially me, my drum tracks, because I can't play drums and guitar. I could, but it wouldn't be right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I have a, a backing track of basically the drums and some keyboards. And uh, David Hirschberg, my bass player, and myself are going to be singing and playing. And then there's also videos that are going to play at the same time of the other people who are playing on the thing. So it'll be part live and part uh, canned. Cool. Um, now, as far as the Blue, Blue Oyster Cult classics, uh, I don't, you know, we might use backing tracks. We might not. It depends upon, I think we're going to give the audience a chance to choose what songs we're going to do. We're not going to do the, we're not going to play Godzilla. We're not going to play Reaper. We're not going to play Burning For You. And we're, <laughs> probably not going to play cities on flames. So okay. <laughs> the, the really big hits don't expect that you're going to get some, you know, you get, uh, I, I did a lot of this, uh, the songs that I sang on agents of fortune when I toured with uh, BOC in 2016. So I'm very comfortable playing those songs. So we'll do some of those, you know, and, uh, we'll have a, a an agenda, but, uh, we'll also give the audience a, chance to choose i always like to ask artists like what is your favorite song that you don't get a chance to play live especially when they have like a lot of hits and you go okay if you could perform something that maybe isn't a big hit but you wish you could play it but of course the fans are going to expect all all the hits and such would it be safe to presume or am i presuming too much that the songs you're the blue oyster cult songs you're going to do might be some of your favorites from when you were in the band that obviously not everything could be a, a hit single Okay. Yes. Good. Yes. Good. 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 There good. Some that, that we played, we played the heck out of them, and then we stopped playing them. So uh, right. Yeah. So be it. So, what What yeah. is your What is your favorite drum track you've ever played? Um, it could be Blue Oyster Cult version and non Blue Oyster Cult version. What is your favorite drum track you've ever played? Oh, oh, I don't know. That it could be uh, Seven Screaming Disbusters. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty, uh, that's a raging tune. I was uh, talking about that the other day because I was, I, you know, doing Reimagine Us 2, that's on, that's going to be on the next version. And uh, I was like, this sounds like hippie metal, hippie <laughs> death metal <laughs> or satanic metal, I should say. Right. So, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a. It's kind of a sarcastic and uh, uh, um, humorous take on, uh, you know, all these, uh, the occult, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the Satanists and all of that stuff, you know. You know, I think it's a it's a play on uh, Blue Oyster Cult, mm. the, uh, the name of the band. So, uh, exactly. but anyway, you know, I mean, I don't think we ever took it, you know, uh, when, when, uh, when we recorded it, Eric says, uh, hey, Lou. And I said, he don't mean read. <laughs> nice. We it. nice. Hey, Lou, he don't mean read. No, Listen to the light. 
Good one. High angelic Lucifer the light. You know. So, yeah. yeah. I change it different. though. It's not Duster's dust anymore. It's angel dust. Okay. <laughs> Very interesting. Um before I let you go, um before I let you go here, um in terms of of music education, I, I, I love cycling back to that. That's what, the place where I'm. I'm from. School. Uh, we got a lot of high school music programs around here. There's a good college program around here. Um, it's it, it's a solid area here in Western um, Wisconsin. What in, in the years that you've done teaching for for educating people in in music in general? What do you think is the most important thing for? People coming up, teenagers, twenty somethings, to learn nowadays. After all of these, all these years of of pop and rock, and there's a whole canon of that. What's the maybe one of the more important things that they should be learning to set their careers going? And I know that's a broad question because some of it's more playing, some of it's studying, some of it's theory. There's all sorts of the business. But what's one of the most important things for people to want to learn so they can have well, music as a part of their life? It's it's not a bad thing to be educated about music, but uh, as Adam Neely has correctly pointed out, most of music education, most of music theory is uh, uh, is is pretty exclusive to uh, white German. You know, uh, it's not very inclusive. So that's that's a part of an issue with that. I would say though. If you want the broadest thing that I could say about uh, teaching or or learning music is have fun with it, man. That's the whole idea. You know, people get so serious or like, oh, man, I can't sing. I suck, you know, or I can't play. I just can't do this. I have no coordination. You know, they'll give you all the excuses and it's like, hey, don't get so serious about it. Have a good time. Goof around. You know, this is how this is. You know, we're really, we're a bunch of monkeys and, you know, we need to have fun. And music is, is a great way to have fun. Exactly. I, yeah. I struggle with, I mean, I, I will struggle with that. I'll be trying to play the piano. I'll get mad at myself if I hit a wrong note. I, I have to remind myself, we are playing the instrument. That's the thing. We're playing this stuff. We're, we get to, right. I mean, right. it's, it's a fun right. thing to do. You yeah. got, practice hard and have fun. Exactly. Exactly. That's the way to do it. Well, you're doing a whole lot of that right now. And we're looking forward yeah. to the event coming up Saturday again, four Eastern, three central. Um, best of luck with everything going down the road. Have a have a blast on Saturday. And with all the projects you've got been going, what got going on. This has been a this has been a fun education. There's plenty more to come. So, Albert, thank you for taking some time to talk about all things Imaginos and Reimaginos related. Well, it's been my pleasure, Luke. Thank you very much for having me. Albert Bouchard, that was a great, great conversation with him. If you want to learn more about what he's doing, the, uh, all things related to, again, Reimaginos and all all sorts of projects, you want to go to albertbouchard.net, albertbouchard.net. And that website's got a whole lot of information about a whole lot of projects that he has been doing. And you can keep up with him on social media, as well via YouTube, as well as a whole lot of ways you can keep up with what Albert Bouchard is doing. And again, that event, um, by the time you listen to this, it may have already happened. But if you're listening to this before April 10th, reimagine us live in its entirety, plus other classics from Blue Oyster Cult, live streaming Saturday, April 10th, 2020. 
uh, at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central. This has been the latest edition of Got Time for a Quick Story. Thanks, as always, to Greatest Hits 98.1 Radio in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, where I'm based using their facilities. And you can watch and listen to a lot of these interviews that I do at greatesthits981.com. The top of the website says Features. Put your mouse up there. It'll say Interviews. Click there. You can also go to our YouTube channel, another way to... to um, Find, to listen to and watch these interviews. In this case, this was a Zoom interview, so you can watch it. There's others that we've done, we've done via Zoom and plenty we've done audio only. All good interviews done by myself. My co-worker, John Murphy, has done some fun interviews as well, the likes of uh, Marlo Thomas, um, and uh, had a really fun interview going back uh, to last year with Marie Osmond. Um, got a lot of attention for that interview in a good way. Um, so check those all out at greatesthits981.com. For this podcast... Got time for a quick story? Subscribe to it. You can find it on a lot of the usual podcast platforms. So you can take it around in a mobile manner. Um, subscription helps you to know when the new episodes arrive and preferably rate this higher so word spreads more about this podcast. Got time for a quick story? I'm Luke Anthony.